This is The Shift with Drex, on demand. I'm Shade Hewitt on The Shift. Mark Nelson is my guest. And Mark, here we are. Our conversation from last week, we got into Biosphere 2. We got into Spaceship Earth, the documentary on it. And, um, and one of the things that we were left at the end of the conversation was what was the real experience like? And um, there was some pieces of the puzzle that I did not put myself in front of on purpose because I wanted our questions to be organic. And I think, I think we got that. Um, I'm really grateful for the conversation yesterday or last week, excuse me. And then I, then I watched the documentary. I watched it afterwards. And I'm glad I did that because I'm not biased by the documentary. I'm, I'm almost more biased by Mark because we had the conversation first. That's kind of the way your brain works, right? Once your brain has a reason um, to connect to something, it connects to something. And because I connected to Mark first, um, Biosphere uh, 2 comes second. So thanks for coming back on and being with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, my pleasure. So we talked about the biosphere. We talked about the lead up to the biosphere and we sort of were left with the, the, the human existential part of this. And I find it really appropriate as people are in COVID, isolated, facing new challenges in their minds that they've never had to face before, that this conversation couldn't be more timely. Did you, have you found that, that some of the things you've gone through on this journey couldn't be more timely than they have been in the last six months? Uh. I think it's more timely and COVID's only part of the story. Oh, interesting. I, I think that the main thing is, and it's really hard, it, you know, if you weren't a mature adult or even a, you know, precocious teenager in the early nineties to realize how different the mindset of people is, you know, between then and now. And, and if we had to do bias for two again, which I love, I would love to <laughs> Let's do Biosphere 3, 4, and 5, in, including one in Calgary. Why not? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, well, I would, since you just said that, um, I anyway, will ask. If, if I'm sorry, Shane. Yeah. I didn't finish that sentence. Oh, if, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to Biosphere 2 now, because people are so much more aware that there is such a disconnect between, you know, human activity and technology in the biosphere, mm. they would totally get why Biosphere 2 is built. And Biosphere 2, you know, violated all kinds of scientific taboos. You don't put human subjects into an experiment because then they will lose their objectivity. We don't want to study how humans, technology, and a natural world uh, interact because that's outside the strict boundaries of disciplines as the universities define them. Hmm. That's all such nonsense. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Um, yeah, well, it's the storyline that that's been given, right? So, one quick question about the biosphere thing: If you had a chance to do it again, would you do it with so many ecosystems inside it? Because to me, that seemed incredibly difficult to have the living ocean, the rainforest, the desert, the farming, the so many different ecosystems trying to be managed at once in one place. Would you do it again, where you just tried to create one more isolated rainforest? or ocean and isolate them separately this time? Or would you go back and do it on the larger scale? Well, you know, I, I think challenge brings out uh, a lot of potentiality, you know, so sure. I mean, if, if we were strictly looking at space deployment, then we would have had, 
you know, like maybe 80% of the system would have been agricultural crops. And maybe we'd have a few trees in there for enjoyment. Uh, no, Biosphere 2, you know, it, it was pretty challenging, you know, because we wanted to demonstrate to people that, first off, you don't understand our biosphere. And I think, you know, the assault on our wilderness biomes is because we think they're superfluous. Mm -hmm. Oh, it doesn't really matter if we have an Amazon, if we have wetlands, you know, if 50% of the mangroves have disappeared in our lifetime. You know, that's just ornaments. So, you know, Biosphere 2 is a pretty radical statement that if we want to study biospheres and if we're going to live in space, I don't want to live in a hydroponic system looking at a lot of technology and a few wheat plants and potato plants and lettuce plants. You know, that's not, <laughs> you know, humans, we have evolved, you know, we're, we're very, we're very attuned to the natural world and to put us in an environment that isn't like that aside from temporarily and clearly we're going to evolve in space. You know, it, that's a shock to the human organism. It is a great example of that. My biggest takeaway from Biosphere 2 was, because I'm a words guy and I always break it down into, you know, what is the word? To me, it was fragile. You know, how fragile is everything? Because when things went sideways in the biosphere, they went sideways quickly. And um, that whole, you know, the oxygen, the bugs, the everything else that's in the storyline, those things change very quickly. And so when we look at, when you speak about preservation and responsible living as human beings on this planet, not understanding or respecting ecosystems, the word that comes to mind is fragile. If you had to pick a word that you took away from that, Mark, what would that word be? Well, you know, I, I agree and I disagree with you because actually um, almost all of the biomes, you know, the rainforest, the savanna, the fog desert, the Everglades marsh, the living coral reef in the ocean, all of those systems actually performed really well outside of their usual environmental conditions. Interesting. But, but I do agree that, and I think it's, it's actually really, you know, really useful for people to um, do the precautionary principle. You know, since our, since our biosphere has evolved over nearly 4 billion years, and it's gone through, you know, there, there was 2 billion years when there wasn't oxygen in the atmosphere. It's only, you know, 500 million years ago that higher plants and animals evolved. You know, to assume that the earth is robust and can withstand anything that we throw at it, that's how we humans collectively are acting right now. So I, I, I'll second the fragility because that is a really dangerous, dangerous way of thinking. Yeah. And you're right, though. The the ability to adapt and grow, I think you proved that just with the evolution that you're talking about. So, you know, I hear you. I hear what you're saying um, with that one, too. Okay. So Life Under Glass, the second edition is your book. You speak about uh, the the living underneath the, the, the biosphere. And I would like to acknowledge, first of all, so the, the storyline before the biosphere of some of the people in your community, uh, your chosen family that's in your life, these people are still in your life today. This is I learned this part after our last conversation. When I looked up the Synergia Ranch uh, and, and where you're living today, uh, where you were living before you guys uh, headed out to take on the world, 
the um, I was surprised to see that so many people are still you know kicking around. So when we talk about life under glass and the things that you went through, it is worth noting that quite a few of these people are still in your life. And that's that's pretty magical. I really wanted to acknowledge that. You're a pretty lucky person there, Mark. You know, we have a French friend, and I don't know I can do a proper French accent. But her perennial question is, what is the glue that holds all of this together? <laughs> it sounds a little more German to me, but yeah, I get it. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not really doing the French thing. Uh, but anyway... Yeah, but, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. And by the way, I, I just have to say that this magnificent new edition of Life Under Glass, Crucial Lessons in Planetary Stewardship from Two Years in Biosphere 2, I collaborated with two of my co-authors who are biospherians, Abigail Alling, our marine biologist, and Sally Silverstone, who was overall in charge of our food system and was our unflappable captain. And they've gone their own way, you know, after working for many years with our projects and with Echotechnics. But, you know, it is wonderful that we're still collaborating and we have, you know, we, you know we've shared so many essential moments. You know, and I, I think that's one of the, the sadness. I've lived in community because of the projects that we've undertaken for so many years. And I find it really difficult to empathize with people you know, who, you know, they're doing, they're doing a job, a day job, they have their weekends, they have their family, but there isn't that continuity. And I think the glue that I would say is that we all agreed that we would try to live, you know, properly balanced human lives and push the envelope, you know, we'll do theater, ecology, and enterprise. We'll do them simultaneously, concurrently, and choose not the easy path, but the, but the I guess the Robert Frost, the path least traveled. Yeah. You know, for, for many years we said, you know, it, we shouldn't make an ecotechnic project something that is easily done. And if we didn't do it, conventional economics would throw up some people to do it. What, what needs to be done, and this, you know, makes my life and my, my colleagues' life so much more interesting, let's do stuff can we say shit on Canadian radio? Well, we can now. <laughs> it's no problem. We don't have this. a five second. You we know. do have a delay, and so the local markets will take that out if they want to. You know, it's no problem at this time <laughs> of night. Do, let's do sticky stuff that that you know can't be done. That's yeah. the challenge. Let's do. Let's go into areas where everyone's thrown up their their hands, and conventional economics and approaches don't work. Well, and this is where the COVID part comes back to me, Mark, is because the conversation right now is how do we restart economies in Canada? For example, there was just an announcement yesterday saying we need to restart green, but we need to restart and it's got to be uh, helpful for everybody. And that was from the government. And so, of course, political stripe aside, that's really the balance that needs to be found everywhere. And here you guys have been working on it for so incredibly long. Um you know, and, and you're still together. So that says something that says something as well. So as we dig into this, Mark, um, one of the headlines that brought me to our introduction and, and conversation was going mad, going mad inside biosphere too. Um, so help me understand, you know, did you, or did the people in that bubble, it was hard and we'll get into the hard, but you know, at times, did you go mad? <laughs> 
Well, you know, people, some people felt depressed. Three of the crew I learned actually after the two years were doing private therapy sessions, you know, via phone. Uh, you have to remember there was no internet. But, uh, and rumors were rife that we were totally, you know, gone bonkers. Is bonkers a Canadian expression? Yep, it is. Makes sense. Yeah, bonkers in the bush. Uh, Australia loves loves that expression. You know, so the project uh, called in some environmental psychologists to give us a battery of tests. They called in the head of the psychiatric department at the University of Arizona Medical School, and he had private, private sessions with all of us. And his conclusion at the end of all of that was, if I was lost in the Amazon and I needed eight people to take me out safely, you guys would be my first choice. Interesting. And, and the environmental tests were really interesting also in terms of gender. You know, it, it seems kind of tame that we decided four men and four women. I, I don't know if the, Brit, the British for many years, many decades, wouldn't send women to the Antarctica for fear of sexual jealousy and, I don't know, all of those misogynist kind of uh, thought forms. Mm -hmm. But on the, the psychological profiles of the environmental psychologists, it showed that we had an explorer profile, uh, surprise. But what's interesting is that the men and the women tested almost exactly the same. And when they were looking for an analog of similar results, it was NASA astronauts. Huh. Well, the Explorer part makes sense. I mean, in all fairness, you guys did build a boat and sail the world. So there is that. Um, and that was before you got into all this. So um, we, plant, we planted a fruit, fruit orchard in New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. If you know New Mexico, you'd think, wow, that is optimism. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm assuming I've never been to New Mexico. I've sort of assumed there's plenty of tumbleweeds dry and lots of sand. <laughs> or dust. Uh, it has been it has been desertified by a concerted effort of the Spanish first and now the Anglo uh, colonizers. How, how do you like living there? You guys went back. I mean, you've built your community there. You you live there. You you know, frankly rent out rooms for conventions at the Synergia Ranch. I wouldn't call it not convention. Sounds like there's going to be wow. ten thousand people. Yeah, small workshops and conferences. Everything from conferences African is a way word, drumming, yeah. African drumming and dancing to you know Zen and Buddhist meditation to shamanistic people and you know uh, yeah, etc. No, I I love New Mexico. I fell in love with it. You know, first off, it was something so completely different from growing up in in New York and going to school in New England. You know, the, the, the Southwest, the West of the United States is like a completely different country. And I'll share something with you. I, what really endears me to the northern New Mexico is that they have three cultures here. The Native Americans, uh, Pueblos, also Apache and, and uh, Navajo, they, uh, especially the Pueblos, were never taken off their land. And the the Spanish history, you know, just 150 years ago, New Mexico is part of, uh, was part of Mexico. Hispanic culture is really, really strong in northern New Mexico. And it's always attracted fairly, you know, maverick, innovative Anglos. 
So Santa Fe, you know, for a little, a, really a little city, 65, 75,000 people, has amazing amounts of culture, spirituality, all kinds of creative endeavors going on. But the clincher for me was, I think I'd only been um, living in New Mexico for, you know, X number of months. I went to my first Pueblo Indian dance. And I was watching, you know, these people, you know, and some of these uh, dance dances have a thousand dancers in a plaza doing a dance that probably dates back thousands of years, you know, got one drummer and a chorus of old men doing the chanting. And I suddenly realized that these people had a completely different mindset and cosmology than I knew about. You know, I grew up in New York, which is kind of a melting pot at the, at the time I grew up for mainly, mainly European people, a little bit of, of Asian. And this Pueblo culture kind of, you know, gave me an illustration. There are so many ways of being human. There are so many different, you know, mythologies that humans can live by. And I found it really, really liberating. And I think that was kind of the deal that that clinched my love for New Mexico in this part of the world. Mark Nelson is from Biosphere and just expanding on the conversation that we started last week about what life was like after all that. What was life like living with seven other people inside a dome for two years? Does it help you in the world of COVID today? Were they ahead of their time? So many questions. My goodness. We'll continue with more of that conversation with Mark Nelson uh, and we'll get more information on his book, uh, Life Under Glass, second edition uh, coming up next here on The Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's talk radio for an uplate nation. This is Canada's all-night conversation. The Shift. Sugar, sugar. For more show content and clips from The Shift with Drex, go to theshiftwithdrex.ca.